We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Wow, we had a lot of people and a lot of fun on our Utah meetup. Yeah, we did. This is the last you'll hear about yeah, it for did. 2019, but we are we are feeling like this should be an annual deal. Well, we just uh, had been talking about it for so long, and we've talked yes. about other cities too, and yes. thanks to all of you guys who have written to us and said, you've got to come to our state and city yeah, and for come sure. to do a meetup. And so we thought we'd start with Utah, and that's why we've mm-hmm. got the mm-hmm. main one here. So consider this the mothership, if you will, and then we're branching <laughs> out other meetups in the future. But we had 65 people last year, I think, and then about uh, 30 cars on the drive this year. Yeah, had, so it was but, a little bit less, yeah. but the, the events were a little bit more uh, curated, I guess. Mm-hmm, and, for sure, and specific. Yeah. And so thanks to all of you guys who came out. It was great to see you and hang. And really what I wanted was just camaraderie. It was mm-hmm. just, it felt like family, you know? You're right. No, it was it, really cool. Was and, and everybody there is very like-minded. And obviously yeah, you follow the show, yeah. but you're obviously a car person with a car disease. And we had we had people from all over the nation. I it mean, was just relationship advice. and, and Yeah, it really was. <laughs> we, we were very helpful as always because we're always so helpful. No, but we had, honestly, we had California stuff. and Arizona and Florida and Detroit, Michigan area. and We had North Carolina uh, and New York in there yes, too. Florida. I mean, there were people from literally all over the nation that yeah. came in for this, which is cool, let alone the people that were locals. We had uh, perfect weather because last year we did we did in October. We had perfect weather. <laughs> we decided to fix that. Yeah, and it was amazing. Good day at the track uh but everybody got to do kind of whatever they wanted i mean we had a lot of options on various days and so we are talking i I am going to put it out there again all right we are looking at the end of october for an atlanta meetup yeah we're starting details details. are forthcoming but it but it is a thing that it's just that we can't you can't quite go to the website and sign up yet but just so you know the utah one has happened and is over and now we're talking (laughs) about atlanta so we had a great day at the track. So this was under the NASA Utah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. banner. So it's the National Autosport Association and the Utah chapter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we were we joined that group. And this is such a great way to get into track driving because it's it's HPDEs and various classes. Yeah. And so you sign up for various classes. And a lot of folks had instructors in the cars with them mm-hmm. to evaluate their driving styles and help them out with the track layout. It's been really fascinating to see the growth and changes to the track here, especially after changing hands and now owned by my time, Division of mm-hmm. Geely. Yeah. And yeah, so, yeah. of course, we keep joking about the Lotus Driving Academy coming at some point because you've probably read the news. The Ford Performance School is leaving. All the asphalt track activities yeah. are moving to yeah, North yeah. Carolina. They are keeping the Ford Raptor program in mm-hmm. Utah for all the dirt stuff. But that just leaves the track open for a performance driving school or two of some ilk. <laughs> like, come on, bring it in. Yeah, that's not happening. Let's, but let's it's funny it anyway, yeah. But it was great to be on track, and I admit to getting further into the brakes on the Cayman than I ever had. Good for you. And just, it, it was... Um, it was less of a bravery thing and more of a money thing and more of a, I hear you. hey, I hear all right, you. I'm paying for these, but yeah. let's see what she'll do. And, yeah, and I wanted I to dive deeper into corners and start <laughs> to really get into it more. And so I, I did. And, Good. and she was great. I did get a little bit of a spongy pedal feel because it was hot out there. Yeah, it was. And, it really was. you know, we brought the cars in. We actually had a garage, uh, a couple garages back to back so you could drive through, which got the cars out of the sun and got us out of the sun mm-hmm. for a little bit too, yeah. which is yeah, great. Yeah. And uh, we had, what, 10 cars, 10 folks tracking their cars? I think so, yeah, something like that. We had some folks in HPDE1, and then you and I were in the 2-3 combined group with uh, five or six cars in that, too. It was mm-hmm. good. It was really good, yeah. Yeah, so much fun. So, yeah, the track day was great and very informative, and I love that we've been building up various track days at various events. And then we had our own cars out there, which was yeah. very informative. I had that I, had so that I am so spoiled moment. <laughs> because yeah. I did have that thought of, I'm going to go track my own car today. We talk about yeah. preciousness on here yeah. a lot. I did think, I'm going to take the Lotus. And I had a great day in the Lotus. But I did think, this is my car. If something breaks, it's on me. I can't just do that that journalist thing of walk away and like toss the keys over my shoulder <laughs> while the car like, explodes. I can't do the Michael Bay thing. I've got to actually be like... All right, I got to get this car home and get it fixed, which is a bummer. But here's your dirty but it was, a, it was a great day anyway, like for sure. Yeah. That car. I will admit to everybody, this is going to sound strange, and you're probably going to be shocked. But I'm enjoying the battle scars on the car right now. The chunks wow. of rubber leaving the streaks and the wow. bugs. And I actually got another windshield crack because Did a chunk really? of rubber hit at 130 miles an hour on the straightaway, and it was just like. Part of the deal, and yeah. I've got the zero dollar deductible, and so we're good. You, yeah, you have your windshield coverage, which I really ought to get because it's Utah, and dang, but yeah, but uh, yeah. So it was just a great experience overall, and mm-hmm. and I 
recommend it highly, but yeah, there's all kinds of things to consider. So we're, we're looking at details for the East coast for Atlanta here mm-hmm. in a little bit. And, uh, those are all pending. We've got a great couple of debates, actually a topic Tuesday and a good debate. There's a question from Thomas G 22 who wrote mm-hmm. to us a while back. And I, by the way, when, when topic Tuesday questions come in, I, I, you know, squirrel them away. You I mark I, them. I know you do. I yeah. mark them. I it's conserve great. them. And then I, I pull them out a little bit later. So this was a while back and, he says, what are some cars that you could find that would be about 50% or 75% of mm, the actual mm. car that you want? Mm-hmm. For example, he says, if you want a Nissan GTR, but you can't afford it, most people would recommend a 370Z. I don't think it's close enough to the same car, though. I, I'm with but you, but, but I like his example. The idea is solid, for sure. Absolutely. What he's talking yeah. about. You yep. know, and he says, if you want a Golf R, then what should you do? Mm-hmm. And so I approach this with kind of my own uh, self-imposed restrictions here. And I didn't want to just be on the nose with like, oh, if you want an Audi R8, get an Audi TT because it's a poor man's R8. That is not the consideration for here mm-hmm. that I I sort of made my list under. It was you know, various reasons, running costs and maintenance, the image that you project by owning the car. Oh, that's good. Maybe that's you good. just simply don't want to buy the car because of the image it projects, even though you really want it, but you want to back off. And what is an alternative that still gives you that same, you know, sure. 49% is good or 71% <laughs> is good. Excellent. It's preciousness that factors in. Yeah, for sure. For Parking sure. availability and storage. Hey, maybe you could afford it, but you don't have the right mm, place to put it yet. Okay. So, all right, I want something that is almost as good, and I'll store it for you know outside and and give it a Covercraft cover on it, and there you go, hopefully you know it'll be just kind of the beater fun car, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of the Covercraft cover, mm. we had a terrible. I'm going to post pictures of this. Actually, by the time you're listening to this, I will post those pictures. We had a terrible wind and lightning storm last night, like like a scary one. I heard. I saw and heard lightning simultaneously outside my house, and you know that's bad. Yeah, it's normally the flash happens. It's like, wait, oh, there's, oh, there. No, this was a simultaneous the ground. The lightning wasn't striking the ground. It was was a simultaneous like pop and rumble as it flashed outside. It was like that was close. But we had more wind last night than I actually have seen this entire year, which is crazy because it's been a really windy year. It picked up a swing my wife and I have on a balcony uh, right outside our master bedroom and flipped it over. And that, there's not a lot to pick up there. I mean, that was some serious wind. And somehow I came out this morning expecting to find the Lancer, which has got a Covercraft cover on it, that cover like down the block at my neighbor's. <laughs> but I got the heavy-duty Noah cover, and yeah. it was still on. Nice. It wasn't even like didn't, didn't have like a corner turned up. I was like, how is that possible? Nice. I didn't, I, and the other one I had for the Mini, I used to stake down, but it was the little bit thinner one. Right, this is right. the heavy-duty Noah one, and it was like, bring it. <laughs> Your own little advertisement. I love it. Seriously. It no, I, I, I did. I came out this morning, having seen all the car- stuff all over my yard, having seen all the carnage. I just expected, all right, I'm going to go looking for the, the sale that is my car cover. <laughs> right. The you neighbors know, made a sale Because I, I didn't stake it down. And I walked out and was like, no, it's right there. Funny. Which is great. All right. So a little bit later, we'll have Jason in Denver, Colorado. He's wanting something unique. He's a recent college grad, and he's working as an engineer in Denver. He's looking for practical and fun while being unique and affordable. Mm-hmm. I will just explain everything and you'll understand. He's a currently a Saab 9.3 Aero wagon That's owner. how you understand. That's the shorthand right there. Yep. And he apparently wants to get rid of it. He doesn't say that, but I'm guessing the reason you're writing in, Jason, is because you want to move on from mm-hmm. that. But if you're yeah. a Saab owner, and I mean a real Saab, yes. not the Sabaru like you had. Yes. That was just Subaru and cheap yeah. clothing. Look where we have the keys. Yeah. It was a real Saab, mm-hmm. so he's got that, and he's wanting to move on. So we'll cover that in a little bit. But I do want to jump into this Topic Tuesday here a little bit. Great. Because it struck a chord in me, and there's been all kinds of articles written for, for the – as long as cars have been around, I feel like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, hey, the alternatives or the yeah, yeah. the less expensive version of the thing, the poor man's version of this. And that wasn't my headspace because of these reasons, you know, alternative requirements. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, all right, what would be some genuine competitors to the feeling of a list of cars? And mm-hmm. I left it open to, you know – Anything. I even tackled your Elise, as a matter of fact. Did you? Okay. Because you had mentioned at the track, where do you go from an Elise? Yeah. Harder, faster, lighter, mm-hmm. I've, more raw. Where I've, do you go? I've bought a cul-de-sac. There isn't like a road out away have. from Elise to something else. But anyway, keep going. Although I do think I've got three choices for you, as a wow. matter of fact. I'm impressed. I'm excited. They're all British, actually. Of Good course, grief. They, ha- they okay. have to be, right? <laughs> so... 
So I, I put my own restrictions on myself, and I thought, okay, all right, good. so what are these requirements that we're going to deal with in any car that we choose? And they've got to be you know, fairly expensive, some good dollars, and I'm thinking all used for all these cars, but then what Probably, is the... Yeah. You know the the thirty thousand dollar version of that, mm-hmm. and so it's got to be a similar engine placement, general weight distribution for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's got to have the same kind of image, okay. It's also got to have somewhat reliable, you know, modern things about it, like electronic fuel injection. It can't just be okay. like you should right. get a Carmen Ghia. Like no, it's on my list actually. Is it really? Oh yeah, <laughs> of course it is. The one car that I pull out <laughs> the of one thin car, air. You're like, hey, there's no way this is out. Of the, I've got it on my list. Of course I do. <laughs> All right, and then the last requirement here is fairly available to buy, and I, okay. I leave right. that as a very gray area. It's got to be. Mostly available. It can't just be the. <laughs> it's only mostly dead. <laughs> exactly. We're all dead. There's really only one thing you could do: empty out his pockets and look for loose change. Exactly. Is anybody with me other than Paul? <laughs> I'm doing Princess Bride right now. Best anyway, movie yeah. ever. We quote it endlessly. All right. So let's start with a GTR, Thomas. Since you brought it up, if you want a GTR, mm-hmm. you can't afford it. Yes. How about the GT Skyline, like an R34 Skyline GT? Not as hardcore. Okay. They're in the 10 to 30 range. Like that R32 GTS we drove. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Something right. like that. Or how about for the same buzz, a Focus RS? Hmm. Used, now yeah. they're kind of giving you the same kinds of feelings. You could even throw the Evo in there. We See, actually yeah, we did that talked video. about that you know, that very car yeah. and that I think feeling. it begins and ends with the Evo 10 there, actually, because I think they're doing very, very similar things. It could, yeah, for the feeling, certainly. But I was focused on the two doors. You know, let's, what is the coupe sure. version sure, of that? Sure, yeah. Obviously, the Focus RS is not. But, you know, just the GT versions, and I kind of wish, yeah, yeah. you know, Nissan Infiniti would do that more, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. with cars available in the U.S. There's some standouts here, and I tried to not go too obscure, but... I, I tackled your Golf R, and I will say, okay. if you want a Golf R, get a Hyundai Veloster N for $29,000 fully loaded. That's good. That's good. Dunsky. Done. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if you want the Golf R feel, though, and you don't, I know this is going to sound obvious, but honestly, I think if you want the feel that the Golf R has, and you can't afford a Golf R, you get the GTI with the performance pack. Because True. it's almost a duplicate. True. The, the difference is, I, the, the thing about your Veloster, though, is I think that is a more enthusiast car than even the Golf R. I could see that as well, but that's what you that's what we all think of the R, is it's got to be the hot, super enthusiast version of the GTI. Yeah. And like the Audi R8 and Audi TT, mm-hmm. that's sort of like, okay, I can see the thread. and It's, you a, know, it's a better GTI. I, yeah. I like the Veloster N because of... More. It's so surprising yeah, for the I see money. That. I see that, yeah. All right, so I'm tackling your Lotus Elise. Uh oh. I decided to poke around Caterham's website. <laughs> <clears throat> you're right, I could get a Caterham. I could move on for the Lotus to a Caterham. When you're that, talking about yeah. small, uh-huh. lightweight, yes. raw, exposed okay. fasteners. Fair. It feels like it was built in a shed. Because it, it was built in a shed, probably yeah. was. <laughs> How about a Caterham 7 360 or any yeah. of the engine ranges that they yeah, have? Yeah, for sure. But then I came across their concept that I'd forgotten about from a while back. It's okay. the Aero 7. All right. Powered by that 2-liter Duratec Ford engine. Mm-hmm. Great. Bulletproof. Looks great. And then I kept going. Harder. What, <laughs> what's more? And this is not available in the U.S. to my knowledge, I don't think. But I checked out Janetta's website. Uh-oh. They offer a lovely range of tiny little cars <laughs> with things, saran wrap around things a frame. That only I would like. Yeah, I got it. Okay. <laughs> so how about the the Janetta G40 Junior? Hmm. It's it. You could wrap it. I'm looking it up it's, currently. It's a coupe, and I know you like coupes. Yes. And there's a bunch of different flavors of the G40. They go up all the way to a, a full race spec. Oh yeah, these guys. I've seen. It's these sort yeah. of like Janetta yeah. building MX5s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's sort of what they do. Okay. And, I mean, how about the Janetta race series? Spec Janettas. Let's go for that. <laughs> Super hardcore. Just a frame, a steering wheel, plop an engine in You've there. You've done well. You've Almost done well doesn't with that. Matter. I give it to you. So it kind of makes your Elise look like a luxury ride a little bit. That's a horrifying list. Yeah, it really is. That, that, I didn't think that existed. I'm okay on the Elise, honestly. I don't, I don't need to go <laughs> more hardcore than that. I didn't even say 818 either. All right. Continuing with cars that are aspirational to buy here, let's pick a Mercedes-AMG GTS. Mm-hmm. 
for the same kind of look, image, mm-hmm. everything, Honda S2000 for very little money. Hmm, Imagine the long hood and the engine placement on both cars, front, yeah, mid-engine yeah, yeah. cars. One's very expensive, one's not very expensive. True, true, true. And then I, I was toying with the Pontiac Solstice G, GXP. It's toying around with that a little I, bit because I, I of see that the longer thread. hood. I see the threat. I actually like the GXP more than the S2000 in this scenario, but I see where you Fair are. Fair enough. I was just thinking front, mid-engine, yeah, yeah, totally, you know, that totally, kind yeah, of architecture yeah. and what's the similar theoretical driving experience, even though the mm-hmm. driving experience is vastly different between the two but, cars. Yeah, but I also, but you know I also I mean? think your other discussion about uh, styling and feel and what does it kind of give off presence-wise, I put the Jag F-Type here. No kidding. I'm going to cover the Jag F-Type. Because I you can do that. Good, because you can do that AMG GTS. You, now you can find users for 80 grand. And by the way, that is a lot of car for 80 grand. We are a big fan yeah, of the no AMG kidding. GT. They're just now starting to get down into, to, hey, I could maybe think about that kind of money. Because they're still 80 grand. <laughs> I can but, maybe think about but that. But the, the F-Type, you can get for half that. And I think it's more than half the driving experience of the GT. What's funny is there's going to be a lot of crossover on these lists because, mm-hmm. hey, you want a AMG GTS, yeah. get the Jaguar F-Type. But if you can't get the Jaguar F-Type, get the... Go. What's the end of that? Go BMW to the BMW Z4M. Excellent. Excellent. No, that, that is a fantastic <laughs> that's, progression right it's there. It's the triple that's progression really, That's now. good. That, we need that. That's excellent. Do an yeah. 06 to 08 yeah, Z4M yeah. That's really good. Yeah. 30 grand. I like that a lot. Very similar feel. This conversation actually has come up a lot mm-hmm. when we're talking about the E90 series, E92 series, yeah. M3, yeah. MW M3. Definitely, definitely. We've talked about the 335 IS made from 2011 to mm-hmm. 2013. Yes. That car actually is the the lower priced M3, and it actually totally. has more overboost torque than the M3 does. Yeah, it's, it's definitely the M3 alternative, and it is the more unique variation, and I think it is for sure 75% of the same driving experience. All right, three more here on my list. You want an Aston Martin Vantage. How about a Mercedes SLK instead? Okay. All right. I also think the F-Type goes there. I think the, the F-Type, F-type is could, an but there. from a price standpoint, I think they're too, still too similar. They're, they're very similar. Get yeah, a, I take your point. You know, late 90s SLK. Sure. Cheap. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Kind of the same feeling. Again, mm-hmm. this is a theoretical feeling, even uh, though know, all these cars are vastly different experiences. Yeah. Subaru WRX STI of okay. any year. Okay. How about an 06 Acura TLA spec, the third generation, the one we wow. like? Wow, all right. Yeah, it's yeah. not as fizzy. It's not as on, on its toes and on yeah, edge. Yeah, but yeah. for the price and for looks and, hey, there's something down in there. It's not an STI. Mm-hmm, it's not mm-hmm. trying to be. But mm-hmm. that A-spec flavor that was offered for just a little while hmm. could be interesting. And then I'll end on my Ferrari F355 because I'm all oh, about wow. Mondials right now. And yes, I, you are. And that's <clears> in the same Swiping across area, F355s yeah. inexplicably. Yeah. And you might say, well, first-gen Acura NSX. Okay. No, 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 no. Lotus Esprit V8. Yeah. I'm with you on that. <laughs> For I'm like with you on 25 that. grand. Yeah. It's every bit as scary as owning that F355 yes, from a maintenance yes, standpoint. It is. And I would rather the Lotus, honestly. <laughs> I, know. I really and, and I like the 355 <laughs> a lot. I actually think the 355, the play, back to what we were talking about last time, the 355 with the gated shifter might intrigue me more. Sure, sure. But the 355 we had had the F1 gearbox, which was great for its time. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think I'd rather have the Lotus. But That's a great alt. A Spree V8. The most expensive ones are 30 The most expensive one's going to be a third of the price of that 355 Yeah. Yeah, for and sure. It for has sure. every bit of the cachet, the image, the engines in the same place, mm-hmm. theoretically the same or similar driving experience, the maintenance same is scary era. as yeah. heck. And I've even read various blogs now looking this up. And some people say, hey, it's been great. I've mm-hmm. maintained it. I've yeah. been in front of it, yeah. and it's been great. And then there's the other horror stories with, yeah. you know, that belong to those cars. This is the black hole where my money goes all the time. But I agree with you. I would rather – this is insane. This is an insane sentence. I would rather the Lotus just because I'm pretty sure they can work on that without dropping the engine. <laughs> when you have to say that about your car and that's yeah. the good news that's part, the good then news. you know you're off in the Good weeds. news. You can leave the engine in the car when I work on that. Uh, there's <laughs> a few on here that I wanted to touch on real quickly that we haven't touched on yet. There's some great ones you've listed there. The Acura NSX. I'm pretty sure that when you put the Acura NSX on here on this list, uh, that what you actually meant, Thomas, was the original, not yes, the Yes, I was just adding cars to this list. I was just yeah. blowing through ideas here. Acura NSX. Okay, we've got a It Runs. It's involving, good involving steering, approachable mid-engine mm-hmm. you can actually use mm-hmm, mm-hmm. without a finicky engine. Obviously, the Elise is an alternative, but so is the MR2. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. The MR2 is a lot of the driving experience of the NSX without being the price of the NSX. Mini NSX is exactly seven letters and would fit perfectly on a license tag of your MR2. There you go. There you go. Uh, so there's that. Then the, the 911. What's the alternative to the 911? Ooh. And I came up with a couple. Actually, three. Okay. This is going to sound weird, but the problem with the 911 when you want to do alts is rear driving, rear, rear engine. Rear engine is a real problem. That is a difference in feel. Okay? <laughs> You're looking at Corvairs or something. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, well, this is the thing. So my first alt is you can't afford all the 911s you want, so you get a 996. The unloved 911, the <laughs> yeah, 90s right, to early right. 2000s 911, is the unloved of the, of the group, and they stay stay cheaper. But if you're all, if you're looking at classic 911s and can't afford them, get a 912. Ah, yes. They they aren't powerful. Let's just let's just walk <laughs> let's just walk into that room with our eyes wide open. They're not powerful <laughs> exactly. cars, okay? But they also they they while they've been pulled up a little bit by I would describe as the Porsche financial problem of now that it's got a Porsche badge, we can't afford those. Let's get these. They've been pulled up a bit. They're out there, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they don't have a weird price premium because they're little four-cylinders. You know what? I have not yet come across anybody stuffing a 718 engine into a 912 because <laughs> 912s are sort of like, well, who cares if you chop it up? Yeah. I Whatever. It's a 912. That. But what about the 718 Cayman S or GTS engine stuffed into a 912? It's like, well, it's still a four-cylinder. It just has three times the yeah, horsepower seriously. as cars of that era. So the, the 912 is, I mean, most other things about it, it is the 911 of whatever era you got. You could put 911 parts on it, but you got it for far cheaper. So that's an option. And then also, this is where the Carmen Ghia goes. <laughs> if, if, if you really want 911 and convertible. didn't buy 911, let's get a Carmen Ghia. I'm not sure why otherwise, but that it would actually go there. Carmen Ghia builds a 914 Porsche. That's what they are. I'm confused. Uh, also, there was a question about a Hellcat anything. What do you do as the Hellcat alternative? Mm. So when I think about that, I think Run about away. what <laughs> what is – yeah, those are almost 30 grand. It's almost lock your door time, folks. But those are you know big sedan with a bomb for a motor. Yes, okay? very true. So what – and I'm trying to think cheap. Okay. So what about a Pontiac G8? Oh. Okay. Oh. 400 horsepower. Big sedan doesn't look like it does much. 400 horsepower. And those are super cheap. The G8s are yeah. very inexpensive. And also, uh, how far back do you want to go generation-wise? Get yourself a Cadillac CTS-V. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Same kind of thing. Doesn't look like it's got something. Did you notice how quickly I left the light? Exactly. You know, Here's some unburnt fuel for you. <laughs> Blam. <laughs> left to you in a cloud. <laughs> and then crap. also the Mitsubishi Evo. I have to say it because I did it. Rally art. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. You can't get quite there. It's not quite as good, but it gets a lot of it done. And I, I gained a hatchback, which is novel. I love it. All right. Well, uh, Thomas, thank you so much for your question. I, I love the uh, the ongoing. I know there's going to be more cars we have to add to this list. I was you know, toying with the Infiniti G37 IPL version that was 350 horsepower mm-hmm. as the inexpensive alt to the GTR. Because it was kind of oh, Skyline-ish, and it was just a special edition for a short number of years. And then, of course, you know, you want a Supra, get an 86. You want a Corvette Z06, get a Grand Sport. Yes, yes. You may be happier with a Grand Sport, honestly. You really might be. You know, uh, I yeah, I'm, I'm constantly going to add cars here. But uh, excellent question. Love it. If you've got your own Topic Tuesday, please do write to us. Same place you write your car debates, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. And then on the website, you can find that as well as all the information about the pilgrimage trip that you're missing. Just kidding. And the, uh, the upcoming Atlanta trip. <laughs> Sorry, it's just a little shot. It's just a little it's shot. It's going to be really fun. We year, want you sure. on the trip. And uh, please consider it. There's lots coming. And uh, we're shooting this week. We're actually we adding are. the sixth episode to season five so we're shooting it already because we're just confused but the calendars don't make sense to us so we shoot when we can that's what we're doing we've got folks from around the world who frequently ask us about the roads we shoot on but they also ask us about great driving roads near them now there's an app that will help anyone worldwide discover and share the best driving roads everywhere driveline app allows you to easily record and classify your favorite road you can even mark great pit stops and attach photos and videos if you like With Driveline, you can follow people in great areas. You can search an area you've never seen, and if you find a route you like, you select Drive It, and you'll be guided to the beginning of a new favorite drive. You can even earn points and patches for your activity on the app. These build up toward actual car giveaways. That's right. As the community grows, Driveline will be giving away cars to members, and your postings and drivings get you entered to win. We've never seen anything like this, and we love the mixture of community and great drives. You can get in early right now to help shape the app and the community as well. 
Download Driveline to your phone today, start sharing your favorite roads, meet other drivers, and find a new route for your next adventure. We're often asked how we find the cars we recommend because we do a lot of research for the show. Local or nationwide, our searches start with our friends at Auto Tempest. Instead of searching each car site separately, you can enter your parameters into Auto Tempest one time and search them all at once. You can see results from Cars.com, Cars Direct, eBay, and more, or you can jump to AutoTrader and CarGurus without entering anything new. You can even search all of Craigslist nationwide. You know how hard it is to search Craigslist all at once? You can with Auto Tempest. Auto Tempest can help you find your next new or used car if there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the entire country. Plus, the folks at Auto Tempest actually do listen to this very podcast right along with you, and they're always looking for ways to refine the site to make it better. They already have research tools, buyer and seller guides, and are listening to what features users want. So if we give you drive homework, or you're chasing your dream car, or you're just looking to feed the disease, autotempest.com is the place to start. Heck, I was honored an hour ago. Summer's here, and with that comes sunshine and blistering hot car interiors. I know that leather seat seemed like a great idea at the time, until you scalded your legs. All you need is a custom sunscreen from Covercraft. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car, and they keep your car a lot cooler while you're off enjoying the sunshine or whatever you're doing. I have used these for years, and I, I'm telling you, I swear by them. These custom sunscreens from Covercraft are available in a whole range of colors, and they're a simple, affordable way for you to keep your car cooler all summer long and protected from damaging UV rays all year long. We swear by our custom sunscreens from Covercraft. It's one of our favorite car accessories. And remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code EVERYDAY right now at Covercraft.com, or you can follow the link from our sponsors page. Jason in Denver writes to us, looking for a unique car. He's a recent college grad working as an engineer in Denver. He says, I need a car that's both practical and fun, while being unique, affordable. And as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, he drives a Saab 9.3 Aero Wagon. He is in Saab land. He is in the unique, not quite quirky. Yeah, Saabs. yeah big time. Early Saabs were quirky, I think. Those are still quirky, though. They're they never really, quirky, really walked actually. away from quirky. That's true. The closest they got to mainstream was that 92X, which was actually a Subaru. <laughs> we're like veering towards mainstream as yeah. a company. Ooh, look out. Yeah. We should stop that. So the company died. All right. So he's looking for something that offers similar practicality. Mm-hmm. All-wheel drive, still fun on the turns. He's open to buying new or used as well as lease. $30,000 budget. And he said he needs space for he and his friends and all their gear to take up the mountain to go skiing. Cool. All right. All okay. Right. All right. So his first thought was a CPO BMW 328XI wagon with the M Sport package. But he said, man, these are crazy hard to find, generally speaking. Yeah, they are. And trying to find them within his budget is tough, too, unless you get, you know, 200,000 mm. mile mm. something. And then he thought, how about an Audi Allroad? Sure. Okay, I yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're not fully can't can't go for the all road, he was thinking VW Golf All Track, which has been discontinued at this point, or they have announced its discontinuity. It, it, it will be ending, yes, yeah. yes, for sure. Discon- mm-hmm. Discontinuity. Stop. <laughs> anyway, he says, but is this too ordinary? So it can be at least had with a six speed manual, which mm-hmm. is a plus. He likes the Volvo V60 wagon. But he'd want the Polestar, and he can't yeah, he would. get yeah. the Polestar because it's out of the budget. But And then lastly here, he's talking about the Clubman S All 4, a car yeah. that we never talk about. True. That's, that's not really on the, the standard rotation. That's true. So what do we think? And Jason, as an, uh, you know, a recent college grad, things to think about before we even dive in are insurance, mm-hmm. the image that you project. True, true, true. And the maintenance. Yeah. The maintenance that will be projected upon you, yeah. <laughs> Suddenly foisted upon you. So I thought about your choices. I do like your all-road. I love that idea. You mm-hmm. need to drive one. I thought about the S60 cross-country, which was not the wagon, but just the small mm. sedan with seven inches of ground clearance, or at least that, or mm. maybe it was suspension travel. Anyway, it was a lot. It was, you know, a Volvo on, you know, on its tippy toes. <laughs> I thought, okay, something like that. I had thought about this weird example. You and I have talked about the Suzuki Kazashi. Oh, yeah. In past yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you realize how cheap they are now, but they can be found between mm, four and $6,000. The thing yeah. is, the reason this occurred to me, Jason, is because you like the unique part. Nobody will know what your car is. They might yeah. not have ever even heard of it and not realize Suzuki makes things other than... You know, motorcycles and 
musical instruments and you know, <laughs> kind of like a Yamaha. Don't, but anyway, don't they just make motorcycles? Why, what do you mean they, they made cars? Weird. So I don't know where you get that serviced is the problem. Yeah. I see Kazashis yeah, yeah. for sale that look great and they've got 150,000 miles on them. Mm-hmm. So clearly they can be driven. They're not that big though is my only concern there. That's true. Wise. They're not that big. But what if he got that for five grand and sure. a sports car? Yeah, okay. All right. 30 sure. grand to work with. That's healthy. It is. You're right. Yeah, yeah. About a $20,000 something mm-hmm. sports car, yeah. a Cayman. Mm-hmm. And the Kazashi for, you know, all-wheel drive, bombing around. Okay. Yeah. But then I thought, well, I want you to be in something nicer. So we went the opposite direction towards okay. a 2018 Jaguar XF Sport Brake S all-wheel nice. drive. Nice. You find that for around 30? They have fallen off the cliff, but they're not quite there because the cheapest one I found was thirty nine seven fifty. Okay, all right. Now that's nearly ten grand out of your budget, but man, are they gorgeous? Yeah, yeah man, yeah. are they unique? And they're not going to stick around in the United States for very long, mm-hmm. so they will become kind of like that Saab, just unique, special, different, hmm. lots of space, all wheel drive. But they're expensive right now. I get that. Plus, for a younger driver, they're going to see. Oh, Younger driver, Jaguar. <laughs> My boat payment this month is due. Walk so right over here. Please Let me pay charge money. you money. Yeah. So then I found the Nissan Juke Nismo RS with a six-speed manual. Wow, that's a that's a twist I did not see coming. Usually they're all CVTs, but yeah. then the Nismo folks got a hold of it and they swapped a manual in, and it's a bit of a special edition. It's not the biggest power ever. You wouldn't see them everywhere. I'm that's being true. Delicate because. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I like it. <laughs> you're for, being very delicate, yes. I, but I like it for the reasons you're naming, for mm. for the uniqueness, for special, for, you know, you don't see yourself coming and going, and it's a manual transmission. Mm-hmm. And Nismo anything is generally thought to be like, hey, all right, you're yeah. an enthusiast, yeah, yeah. good, you know, more power, better suspension, mm-hmm. you know, all those kinds of things. So. I'm I'm in that range for you, even though I want you to go buy a sport brake, because I'll bet you 2020 is the last year we can buy sport brakes from Jaguar, at yeah. least in the States. So, yeah. you know, then they'll become used and they'll fall off a cliff, but I want you to have one right now because they're so gorgeous. <laughs> but then I think, all right, maybe save a little bit of money, get the Nismo Juke, and they're quirky. You don't see them all that often in the Nismo trim, and that could be something. Hmm. Just some thoughts, because otherwise we're off in Buick Regal Tour X land, or we're off yeah, in which is, Audi A7 land. Or, the, the Buick Regal is interesting you know, for everything but the fun-to-drive factor. I think it's going to yeah. be fine to drive. I mean, it checks the boxes and kind of mm-hmm. rare and unique and slightly quirky, but yeah, it's just going to be fine to drive. I don't think you're going to yeah. love it on mountain yeah. roads. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the Nismo, but Jaguar. I think the all-road is a real contender here. I think the E-Class wagon is a real contender. What What's the hottest E-Class wagon you can find in your budget? Mm-hmm. We've talked before about the friends we have here that have an E-Class wagon, and it just runs. It's yeah. the only car they have that runs. Ironically, they own a Lexus that they can't keep out of the shop. It, they live in a weird parallel universe, I think, <laughs> because they have a Lexus they can't keep out of the shop and a Mercedes E-Class wagon that just runs. Anyway, so I think the E-Class wagon is viable. The My wild card here is actually a Cayenne. Oh, really? Get a used Cayenne. I know they're not mm. unique, but it's it's a great vehicle. It really is. I mean, granted, I own one, but for thirty grand now, you can get like a 2013, 2014 Cayenne. Good power, excellent to, in the snow. Here's the, the big surprise, the big party trick of that, and I've talked about it before, is it's good to drive and still big. <laughs> they're much better to drive than they have any business to be. So if you're looking at wagons, I know I've pulled, pulled you in an SUV now, but it really is in many ways the exception to the rule. I mean, the Macan is even more so, but you're getting smaller now, and I'm worried about space in a Macan. Plus thirty grand, it's going to be hard to find a Macan. I know right now you could go get a Cayenne. You could just go get one. They're out yeah, there for sure. thirty grand. For I mean, 30 grand, that, that, sure. like twenty fourteen and older, sure. and that's still the second gen. I've got the first gen, still the second gen. That's my kind of wild card because I've left wagons. I want to circle back to the Polestar. Oh, because he likes the Volvo wagon. He wants a Polestar, and he says it's out of my budget. Is it for thirty k? Because I just went and looked. Did you? And I found a half dozen of them. Yes, they're out of your budget, but listen to me. <laughs> they are between thirty six and thirty eight grand. I found five of them. Wow, that's not very far out. That's not too bad. I okay. mean, 
And and here's the thing. I think if you had a standard uh, standard Eight, eighty two months worth of payments, if you had a standard V sixty, you wouldn't like it as much. Yeah. And I'm, it's on my mind a lot because of Derek, who was just out here. Okay. Oh sure. We just yeah. had our Utah meetup, and Derek. Dr- I still can't believe you did this. And he's actually he's probably listening to this podcast right now, still on his he's drive still back. Dying. Sure, right. Because he drove out his because he wanted to have his V60 Polestar with him all weekend. He had that fantastic electric whatever that blue is that they did. So awesome. But he drove it cross country. He tracked it all day. He did our road tour and he drove it home. Yeah. And Derek is a solid driver, but let's be honest. It's a big V60 wagon. He was hanging with everybody on the road tour. It's awesome. He it's was awesome. like the big fact, the big pack of fast-moving Porsches. The back of that pack was Derek. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Porsche, 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 Porsche. V60 wagon, like this Seriously. blue wagon streaking by. He did very well on the track with it, and it is all-wheel drive. I mean, he and I were talking about the all-wheel drive setup. It's it's kind of a uh, Volvo took the Haldex and refined it. Sure. I still have to say, because of the kind of stuff you like, I think that really does. And you even you even kind of already went there, Jason. That does check every box for you. And your concern is it's out of my budget. I'm going six to six to eight grand out of your budget when you're already spending thirty. Uh, normally, this is your role to push on the budget like this, but I am surprised okay. to find them. That close. I thought. I honestly, when I looked it up, I honestly thought they were going to be forty-five and above. I mean, that's the impression that I've got. Totally, because they're and at, 40, at forty-five and above. I get it. You are you are mm. way out of your budget. But at thirty-six to thirty-eight, when I think it is probably the right car, uh, makes me go, "Hmm, that how do you solve that problem?" That is interesting, Jason, because Polestar, as you know, the brand is now the tip of the spear for technology and innovation for Volvo as a company. It's not a tuner brand for Volvo anymore. Mm-hmm. The cars that we're talking about are. They were in that category, but that just means they will no longer exist in that category. Mm-hmm. Any future Volvos will just have performance, the R-Line or whatever it will be. Polestar yeah. is going in an entirely new direction as a kind of looking like a different car company, even though... You know, they've got tech and they're related. But <laughs> the Polestar as it is, that just means it's going to be very unique and, and just you won't see them. A, a guy comes out of a Saab 9.3 wagon and he buys a Volvo Polestar and something in the universe just goes, yep, yep, that's right. <laughs> Keeping it Scandinavian. I Yeah. I mean, this Jaguar Sport Brake is only $1,000 more than the... I, no, I agree. I, I think you're at an interesting place with the Jag, but I just go I, – I love it when somebody <laughs> buys their next car and you go, of course you did. That's the Volvo Polestar, <laughs> sure, this discussion. Right. It really is. You Jason course. buys that, you're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, Natural definitely. progression. All right, moving to questions on here. Jason, by the way, thank you for, the, for your debate. For sure. Really yeah, appreciate that's it. Great. Terrence C. is asking on Facebook, can we talk about run-flat tires and cars not including a spare? He sent us a picture of his Veloster <laughs> oh, N with the flat tire. It looks like it was loaded up on the flatbed because he only has the goo, I think. Do you even have the goo? I've got the goo in my mm, Porsche, the, have, the bottle yeah, of goo, which is the, I'm sure it's Porsche-branded goo. It is absolutely Porsche yeah. mixture. Yeah. The chemists at the Porsche. The special Porsche goo. That sounds up. disgusting, by the way. Let's move on from there, <laughs> shall we? There is no jack and there is no spare on the Cayman. It is just the... That's the, astounding. The, the liquid and a phone number. What's funny about that's that all you is, get. back to the Lotus versus Porsche reality, in the Lotus reality, there's really no evidence they even thought about it at all. I, I <laughs> exactly. mean, there's just, there's no spare, there's no goo, there's no jack, there's just broken Lotus. It's just, you're going to have to solve it. Exactly. At least Porsche had a little bit of thought like, huh, flat tires are this kind might of break a reality. Down. Lotus went, best of luck to you. Our car's fun to drive uh, when it runs. No, you're anyway. right, Terrence. I, I don't love the Bridgestone tires that are the run flats. Yeah, I hear Love you. the winter tires, the Blizzaks. Love yeah, them. Yeah, they're great. But generally speaking, you're talking about a, a thicker, stiffer sidewall so you can get home, run 50 miles or however mm-hmm, long, mm-hmm. and it definitely affects the handling. I mean, we talk about this all the time, the the recipe between your suspension and you know the, the tire and wheel size to create the handling and the performance yeah. of your car yeah, that, yeah. and the, just the tire compound itself. There's such a recipe in there, such a balance, yeah. and we feel it when they're run flats. We can feel it when we're driving a car, and we yeah. know with better tires, this car would come to life. Mm-hmm. It's too bad, but it, it but typically mutes the, reality. the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of where we're at as you know, car manufacturers. Plus, the bottle of goo is cheaper than the full-size spare. 
<laughs> just throw them some with, liquid and with here the you full go. full size spare is an option box you can check. We're in a different world for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Ian wrote in and said on Facebook, uh, which vehicle is the exact middle of the spectrum of sacrifice? You watched that video. Thank you for that. <laughs> His vote is actually the Mercedes E63 AMG wagon. And Ian, we are talking very seriously about making a shirt of the spectrum of sacrifice. You see the bar graph. Yeah. And we're going to put silhouettes of various cars in there. And I have to say, my intention on this shirt is that the upper part of the bar graph shows you the really affordable version. And the lower part of the bar graph is the really expensive stuff. I think the E63 AMG wagon is the lower like the more expensive option on the dead center of the spectrum of sacrifice. I think you're right. I think it's right there. Hmm. But I think the affordable version is the GTI. The GTI <laughs> is just like this is the center point that the spectrum of sacrifice spins around for All sure. Right. Well, now that you said it, we've got to figure the shirt out. We do. There's sure. so many shirts we've got to make. All right. Uh, question from Devin Bain here. What are the design ideas that annoy us the most about a given car manufacturer? <laughs> I'm going to sit back for a second. How long do you have? I'm going to sit back here quietly. No, you know, Devin, what it actually was started by was the Rolls-Royce Phantom. When it was introduced, the headlights that seemed to be the headlights were not the headlights. Okay. They were the accessory lights. The real headlights were beneath the perfectly round, what appeared to be headlights. You're right. They're not the headlights. They are faux headlights. I didn't like this at all. Okay. And as a matter of fact, talking about the juke, same thing. Mm Mm-hmm. The lights, from a hierarchical standpoint, above yeah. it are not the headlights. The, the ones below lights, it. The weird frog eye lights are, are the not lights. the lights. Yeah. So I see this on the Hyundai Palisade, which is the Telluride sister car, sister SUV, yeah. Yeah. that actually just won a Red Dot Design <coughs> Award. Hey, sorry, did Stop I say it. that out loud? Stop it. <laughs> it won a Red Dot Design Award. Yeah. And I am not appreciating the front end because of the hierarchy of lighting. And I know lighting is the thing now that designers are playing with because you can make a car now look entirely differently when it's night mm-hmm. and you've got a signature yeah. strip. That's, yeah, what, yeah, fair point. that's what Hyundai's doing actually with the new Sonata. It, it does not look like the shape of the lights because they run it further uh, up the hood. And so I'm looking at the Palisade thinking I want a, a more of a, proper face even though lighting technology now allows designers to make very thin cuts yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know very small openings that are just as bright or brighter than yeah. conventional headlights or you know the older style but it doesn't have the signature eyes the look the face the that is what it is and mm-hmm. so it seems weird at first it's jarring it's you know it's, something's wrong with the design if it's if it's out of order Interesting. That's what annoys me the most. And it continues, even though the Palisade, indeed, from top down, those are the headlights, it just doesn't appear that way because the lights beneath it are even bigger and have more of a prominence. It's like Mm. looking at a painting. There's first, second, and third read. The first read is the composition that draws you closer. You take a step close at the museum, you start to notice details and perspective, and then you look at the the fur on the dog or whatever it is, or the the cloth with the light on it. Mm -hmm. Those Mm -hmm. are the reeds as it pulls you into the picture. Same thing with the front of a car. Hmm. Be honest about the lighting hierarchy. All right. Hey, I'm leaving you to that. That is awesome, by the way. I'm annoyed. I I know you. That's why I back away when we get to these discussions. (laughs) We have our places where when somebody mentions something near us, the other one's like, (laughs) I'm just going to duck for a minute because they're going to go off. Rant is incoming. Exactly. Uh, Balisage uh, LD on Instagram said, okay, he's asking specifically to me that I've talked about the art of racing in the rain. Mm, Yeah. That that really cool book and how much I like it. And he's asking if I'm excited about the movie adaptation or if I'm concerned about it. Ultimately, I'm very excited and also very cautious, and here's why. I just had a conversation this weekend at the meetup with two different guys that came in, both of whom have read the book since I mentioned it. Actually, one of them, Aaron, Mm. giving you a shout-out, man, he actually was listening to the audiobook on his drive out from Denver, okay? Yeah, right. And he was almost done, and he made the comment that I'd made as well because the problem that I have with this book is it hits pretty much every button you could possibly hit for me for a nerve. There's fatherhood. There's driving. There's racing. There's dogs. There's (laughs) marriage. There's navigating in-laws and kids. I mean, pretty much everything in my life that can be a hot button is in one book. So I think I spent the back third of the reading experience just crying my way through it, okay? I watched the trailer and I cried. Now, granted, I am a sucker for movies. I can be fairly stoic in normal life and a movie will skewer me in 30 seconds. So I cried through the trailer. I'm sitting here going, can I really go to a theater and be the blubbery guy, the big guy (laughs) in the theater? That that guy was just wrecked by that film. That's what concerns me. I'm actually very excited it exists. Jeff Swart was the B-roll second unit guy. 
Was he really? Yes. He no shot. He, they had him as a consultant and also shooting second unit for the car and the racing stuff, which is even cooler. That means they've done it right. Guy's so talented. So very excited to see it. I'm glad it's there. All right, Benson W.E.W. on Instagram asked, most embarrassing story of a time we messed up like a you know a shift or a stall oh, when we were driving. Oh, no, I have one of these. It happens on the older cars that I think we've driven for films, mm-hmm. and you, you don't know the uh, the synchros on the shifter, and you don't know where it slots home into gears yeah. very much. Yeah, yeah. I've done it on track with modern cars, I and, you know, this is, <clears throat> you know, when you're just getting used to a car and you think, I'm in gear, and you're not in gear. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and you know, especially if you let the clutch out in second, you meant to be in third, and the wheels lock up, and you're coming hot into a corner. Oof. That's a recipe for going backwards into the you know whatever's beyond the track. Yeah, don't want to grind the gears in front of the, the owner either. That's always yeah. The problem. And then yeah. on you know various fun older cars we've had, you know, their gear slots are worn, synchros are worn, mm-hmm. or they're mm-hmm. just they yeah. work completely yeah, yeah. differently from you know modern cars, uh-huh. and so it's. It's just getting that balance right. But what I do love is once we've messed up and made idiots of ourselves, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then the next time it's, you know, you, oh, well, there's where the magic is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, when you I got find it, it right. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. that's what I love about it now cool. that I couldn't get right the first time. But that's what you work up to is finding the quirk and thing mm-hmm. of the car and then mastering that. That's character. Yeah, that's I what that. I love about the cars that we drive when we find in handling, shifting, yeah. braking, whatever that is, and then you figure it out. Yeah, that's when the magic. Because if it's sterile and clinical and it just works exactly like you think, and well, there's nothing to go discover. Yeah, right. Uh, I actually thought of one of these most embarrassing. It took me a minute, and then I was like, <laughs> "Oh no!" And there's a story. I don't even know if you remember this Uh-oh. story. I've never told on the podcast. In fact, I, it's never been shared. Are you sure you want to? I'm going to share it because right. it's a long time in the past. Thankfully. All right. But at the time we first started the show, I had my 300ZX. My wife had a Tahoe. So I did not have a stick shift car at all in my okay. life. Okay. One of the first episodes we shot. That actually went to the web, and you can find the episode, but you, now you'll watch it differently. Plus, it's an old episode. You may watch it in horror anyway, but we shot the <laughs> uh, the GTI and the Mazda Speed 3, and what else was in there? Oh, the Volvo uh, C30. We okay. shot the three okay, of them yeah, together. Right, Remember right, that right. shoot? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All private owner cars. Right. And we also did uh, – we've changed tons of things when we do the show since then, but all private owner cars. So we borrowed these from actual people that we kind of know. Okay, so that's a problem. You and I were both away from camera position, turned in a turnout, mm-hmm. waiting to both go by camera position, which is something we never do anymore. We never, we never shoot like that. We always oh, try to vary right, camera positions. Right. You were parked in front of me. I was parked behind you. Okay. We were waiting for the call on the radio to come past camera, and I thought of something I wanted to say to you. Okay. Do you remember this? V- vaguely. I got. I, and I don't remember which it's car been I was a in. While. I don't remember which car I was in. I got out of the car I was in, and I walked up to your window to talk to you for a second. I had forgotten. <laughs> Stick shift car right. didn't set the parking brake. Right. While I'm in the middle, like three sentences into I wasn't going to say, the car I had been in connected with your back bumper. Just a nice, perfect five mile an hour bumper test, just slump into the back of the car you were in. And thank God it was a tiny little incline, so it wasn't a big hit. But I must have turned a couple of shades of white as a sheet <laughs> because you looked at me deadpan and said, We just will never mention this. <laughs> <laughs> Until and now I did. have. Now I have. But but I got oh, back. Yeah. I was so embarrassed because I had just. I thought of something to say. I got out of the car and I walked over to you and I didn't even think about the fact I should make sure this car is going to stay here because in my automatic cars you're sitting still. It was fine. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think that way. Mm-hmm. And it just did a, the world's best five mile an hour bumper test. Just rolled down and connected with you. <laughs> I am still quite embarrassed by that, and that's going to be repeated to me now that I've shared it. Wow. All right. Well, that's a long uh, time ago. That was long a long time. time. You're right. I, I think yeah. we get some sort of like once the years yeah. pass and we can yeah. laugh. The statute of limitations is well passed exactly. on that one. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Okay. Uh, got another question here from Lucas asking a tire question. Where can you find information about sidewall stiffness, rigidity, looking at the balance? Look, we have um, talked about tire rack before. We've mm-hmm. had the CEO on podcast number 20. As a matter of fact, we'd love to have them as a sponsor. We think it relates to quite a bit and there's a lot of good research on their yeah. on their site but they uh, do more than pretty much anybody if you want to dig into tire to tire research they're yeah. probably the best for sure yeah for sure so if you know anybody tire rack you know <laughs> that separate thing but yes okay <laughs> 
There's also a question from uh, Ronald wrote in on Twitter, and he said, since all three of us, you and me and Chance, are Porsche owners, mm-hmm. are we also part of the terrible Porsche purist group that uh, does not like anything that does not have a rear engine? I will admit to being tangentially a Porsche owner because I own the car that everybody initially hated, which was the Cayenne. Which is now one of their best. Which is cars now the ever, reason that the the brand survived. Yes, the company, exactly. Yeah. I honestly, I am not. A, I'm not concerned about the purest version of pretty much any brand. Mm-hmm. Make a good car that's fun to drive. I don't care what the badge is. I don't care what the history is. Make this current version good. Mm-hmm. I am almost always that way. I mean, look the the one the the Z car that I like is the only one in the lineup that doesn't look like anything else in the lineup. I just want a car that is awesome to drive and looks great. And if it connects with its history, bonus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if it's just, just make it good. Just make it good. Chris L. asking us about car care. I love that you're discovering Griots and using more of their, of their stuff. I just, I think they're great. You've heard us talk about them. But he's not too precious with his cars. They get driven. He dies a little inside when he sees a new rock chip or a sun swirl, and he washes, clays, waxes, all of that stuff regularly. Wow. Does he just need to get over it, is, or is that just part of the game, part of the cost of entry? I, I didn't start out this way, Chris. When I was 19, 20, I was super precious, and the cars owned me. Mm-hmm. I admit that. Yeah. I, I knew you at this time. You have come a long way, I my have, friend. I you have. have. You have eased off a long way. Not that I'm like taking an axe to my hood. No, or you aren't. But, but, but honestly, I remember a time when you got a ding in your Audi's rear bumper. And I'm pretty sure it puts you in a bad mood for a week. Was it a week? Yeah, it was days. There, there was more than a 24-hour period. There was some serious anger. And I'm not saying it wasn't justifiable anger because the person didn't leave a note or anything. But it also was like a you, like when my wife walked up, she was like, why? What, what's happened? Where was the You had to point it out to her. It's not like she walked up and went, oh, my gosh, you have no bumper. I suppose that's you know. the bad part. Yeah. So that was, that was the flip side is that you had to actually be like, right here. And then, you'd be, and then the rest was like, oh, sure, I see that now. <laughs> Rolling your eyeballs. You know. So you've come, yeah. you've come a long way to, to the better, but you were still a guy with the CPO, the Paul certified pre-owned. Hey. Uh, for sure, because you do your cars are in immaculate condition and you're concerned about keeping them nice, but you also realize that life happens. It does. It does. On that same Audi, I went over train tracks and blew both tires and damaged both wheels. And that was just like, ah, awful. It was awful. Yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, I just got it fixed and the car was fine. Thank goodness. But I'm, I'm more and more, maybe it's in, you know, as we age or something, it's not that we care less about stuff because I do. But I don't want it to own me anymore, mm, mm. and I, I want to get the enjoyment out of it. You made that comment, and you need to make it again, about the fact that you were actually kind of proud to have rubber streaks on your Cayman from it track It sounds day. weird. Now, you I'm have s- full paint protection film. Yes, I but do. still. That is a big relief, but I, I'm just kind of proud of like, yeah, we had our cars on track. I used it for what it's designed for. Yeah, that's cool. And it did great, and I loved it. And there will be video from the track day, by the way, yeah. because what I'm so excited to show all of you is the speed differential <laughs> of the Lotus versus the Cayman, because it is stark. It is stark. It was, uh, yeah. it was fun. I was, uh, yeah, 134 at the end of the front straight. I saw 118 at the fastest. That's pretty fast, actually. For... It's good. It's good, but yeah. But then, you know, of course, all the other fast cars were blowing by us. It was crazy. It was yeah, so it was good. Was so good. Fun, yeah. Guys, thanks a million for all your questions. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, just thrilled for all of you that joined us on the Utah Meetup. We'll uh, definitely keep you posted on the Atlanta one. And just look yeah, forward to meeting you guys and hanging out and being part of the car community. Thanks a million. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.